Hey everyone, C-Note here and welcome to Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX, the show that is all about cognitive functions and Myers-Briggs and personality typology and really trying to get into the the deep annals of, uh, that's a weird word, <laughs> of, uh, of, of typology and really helping people understand like the purpose of it and what's really going on. Today we're going to talk a little bit about some of the misconceptions, which is going to be one of the things we're going to talk about on this episode. And you'll notice that there's kind of like a, a non-linear progression to this. As I go along, I'm going to try to figure out ways to do like themes throughout the week and try to create a progression for this show that makes sense. Uh, but for right now, I'm going to assume that you know a little bit about Myers-Briggs, you're familiar with what Myers-Briggs is, and um, you're able to follow along. And if you're not able to follow along, you can go to supermbti.training and sign up for our courses. There's a free course and an advanced course that will help you get caught up and understand Myers-Briggs and how understanding more than just your type is the kind of the key to really understanding this. So um, one of the questions that often comes up is the question of, can I be more than one type? And uh, the short answer is no, but it's also yes. It's a little bit complicated. So we're going to hit the button and we'll talk all about that on Super Myers Briggs Turbo EX. Let's go. Okay. All right, everyone, welcome to the show. Um, ooh, I'm struggling today. I had hot wings <laughs> not too long ago, so I'm a little burpy. I apologize. And then, uh, so I'm also feeling it. I'm like, oh, I need fruits and veggies. <laughs> and then also, uh, I didn't get much sleep last night. We're kind of uh, changing our schedule a little bit. Molly's got a new job, um, and uh, she's starting on Monday, so we're trying to make adjustments. And Oh, it's always a difficult transition, but you know, we're going to have more time to do more episodes. So hopefully I can get some more um, episodes of this show up and going and uh, start to build a bit of an audience. So if you are already listening to this show, I appreciate if you can leave me some feedback here on anchor anchor.fm slash super MBTI and uh, leave a voice message or hit me up at let's go see note on all the social channels. I'm working on getting social channels up for this everywhere. Um, Instagram, I've got a Facebook page set up for it already. Uh, I just got to look up Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX. I'm going to create a group so we can start talking about this stuff and uh, really start to round out this thing, you know, get a Twitter account set up and all that stuff. But uh, for now, I'm just going to focus on continuing to make the courses and get some podcast episodes up. So one of the topics that keeps coming up in questions um, when I'm talking to people through Facebook or Twitter or whatever is seeing that people are always asking, can I be more than one type? Because they're taking assessments at work or they're taking assessments in college, which are probably the two most common places that you're going to take this assessment without any real knowledge of like what this is and what it's for and how you're going to learn from it or understanding like what it's even telling you. And um, the, the first thing to really take away is that it's not something that's prophetic. It's not telling you what you are striving towards or it's not necessarily telling you uh, it's not a ranking system. It's not telling you, it's not a, a vertical model. It's a, a horizontal model, meaning that there are 16 types and they're spread across evenly. 
And there are different strengths and different weaknesses for each type. And you are your type. You are born into your typology. So you are not picking your type. And I think people get confused by that because they end up sometimes taking the test a couple of times and getting different results. And the reason most likely that you're going to get a different result is a, you don't know yourself as much as you think you do B you've had to adapt to society. So you're going to do things that are a little bit different than your most natural personality type. And those two things are, are really the main reasons why somebody might mistype themselves, or they might be feeling some sort of social pressure uh, to perform well at work or they might have associated a certain type with what the job is looking for and maybe striving to be that type or maybe adjusting themselves to the workplace or to college or to their whatever their environment is to be more like what people are expecting them to be like. And really the, the reason that we're trying to uh, figure out our type is to figure out what our most natural sense of being is, what our natural brain wiring is, what God gave us or the universe or, um, you know, or you can even just think about your mom, you know, what your parents gave you in terms of your brain wiring. But it's, again, not even something that is a combination of your parents. It's something that is still unique to you. Every individual is like a random shuffling of cognitive personality types. I don't know that for sure. I don't know if there's any hereditary connection between personality types and stuff. But the as far as I know, they are... Uh, every personality type is different and your parents, the combination of parents are not going to make a specific type. Two intuitives are not going to make another intuitive by guarantee, for example. So um, that is one of the first things to kind of think about when you're approaching this, when you're taking the test, when you're trying to learn more about this system is realizing that it is not something that you are aspiring to. You are not trying to be an INTJ when you are an ENTJ, for example, you know, and some people get confused also because of the common misconceptions around some of the wording. People think of the word intuitive as like spiritual, and it's not necessarily the case. Intuitive is a little bit more about interconnecting disparate data and making um, making pattern recognition connections. And um, it's almost like a sixth sense, an ability to do that um, based on information and, and people and things like that. Whereas sensing types are a little bit more literal, a little bit more real world, a little bit more linear. And um, it's that one is a little bit more literal. It's all about sensing. So it's kind of interesting that those that wordings even used or the assumption that a thinking type and a feeling type are going to be so far on each extreme that a thinking type can't have emotions and feeling types can't be thinkers and, and or aren't intelligent or something like that. And that's not even the case at all. There's usually a, a nice balance, but it is all about subconscious preference. So if you are typing as a thinker, you are going to be more likely to use that thinking type, whether it's extroverted or introverted thinking, as your way of making decisions in the world. doesn't mean you're not going to make feelings-based decisions, but they're going to come fewer and more far between in terms of being effective, because over time, you're going to be developing those over time as you grow and develop as a person. So for me, I'm an INTP, and I my lowest trait is extroverted feeling. My fourth um, cognitive function. Technically, it's my eighth trait, which is introverted feeling, but extroverted feeling is my fourth cognitive function. And that is the one that shows up the least. It shows up subconsciously. And it's something that will manifest for me as trying to keep harmony, which typically means like not trying to make any problems. <laughs> you know, sometimes I won't say what I want to say, or, you know, it, it'll manifest in 
and most of the world, I don't care about what they think, but occasionally people that I care about, people that I spend a lot of time with, my family or friends or something like that, I might sacrifice what I actually want for the betterment of the group. And sometimes that is good, but, um, you know, it's uh, harmony is much better suited when you're working through conflict as opposed to appeasing conflict. So, um, but that's another uh, topic for another day. The idea here is that just because you are labeled as a type doesn't mean you don't have the other traits in you. So that's why when I'm trying to teach this, when I'm trying to create courses, when I'm trying to do this podcast, I want it to be understood that, um, that typology that Myers-Briggs specifically is not just about learning your type. It is about learning both your opposite type and then learning other types. So you know how other people show up in the world and know that how your uh, personality type balances because your typology, me as an INTP, for example, is about listing and showing off my subconscious preferences, meaning that it will shift and change as you go through life. You know, I'm primarily an intuitive, but I do have sensor qualities to me. I am going to care about my past. I am going to care about security and safety and um, tangible things. And uh, as much as, not as much, but you know, in some, sometimes it's going to feel like I care about it just as much as the intuitive things that I care about. So we're constantly balancing between these things. So it's really your type is your subconscious, most natural subconscious preference. It is your comfort zone is the place that you typically spend the most time if you had zero influence from the outside world. So another thing that people get confused about is introvert versus extrovert, which we'll probably do another episode on because I have a segment on the course about the perception of ambiverts or this misconception of ambiverts and how it's like both a thing, but not a thing. <laughs> so what gets really confusing is that people see the I or the E and they say like, okay, this thing tagged me as an introvert, but I definitely feel like I like people. And, you know, I just get burned out by them, but, but that's exactly it. You know, uh, your introversion or extrovert denotes your most natural sense of reality. So introversion means you're going to be most comfortable and most natural in your introverted, isolated, not necessarily isolated, but protected world, your version, your perspective of reality where extroversion means you're going to be most comfortable in the outside world, talking to people, gathering information from the outside world. And we, again, balance between those two things based on our cognitive functions. So for me, as an example, again, as an INTP, I lead with introverted thinking. That is my main dominant driver. That is what leads me to do a lot of informational inform informational podcasting. And um, that's how people connect with me because I have very interesting information. I try to be as objective as possible. I challenge people in healthy ways and, um, you know, bring that sort of thing to the table. And my, but my secondary style, which is going to be the opposite, um, learning style. So if you lead with a, um, if you lead with the learning style, you're going to, your secondary is going to be an opposing attitude, um, uh, uh decision-making style. So if I'm, um, so I lead with a decision-making style. So my secondary function is going to be an opposite attitude learning style. So for example, again, I lead with introverted intuition, which is a decision-making style. And then my secondary is going to be extroverted intuition, which is an opposing attitude. Introvert, introverted extrovert is considered an attitude in relation to these functions. So my secondary is going to be extroverted intuition. That means that I prefer my form of extroversion is going out into the world, being optimistic, playing with ideas, tinkering with things, um, you know, looking at possibilities and 
you know, looking for new things to explore. And it's really that combination of TI and NE, my introverted thinking and extroverted intuition that allows me to feel like I balance between extroversion and introversion. And some people balance those two a little bit more naturally than others, which is why they might identify as ambiverts, which is actually a good thing because we should be leaning as much as we can into our secondary function to help us grow and develop as a person. Because again, our dominant function, our first function is going to be the one that we're, we're the most comfortable with. So if you're an extroverted sensor, you're going to be very comfortable going into the outside world and like, you know, doing things and talking to people and enjoying, you know, reality. But your secondary function, if you're an ESFP, is going to be introverted feeling, which means you need to slow down. You need to take time to feel about the feel out what you're experiencing in life and continue to uh, um, take stock in it, take ethical stock in it. How does it feel for you? Is this a trajectory in life that you feel is aligning with you and you want to keep going and keep going forward in life. And it's important to take stock and do that. So it's important to note that it's the opposite of your natural style. So extroverted sensing is going to be met with introverted feeling as its opposite style for you to kind of well round yourself. You know, you're going to have your third and fourth functions, but we're going to, not going to talk so much about those. It's going to take the same course, though. It's going to be an, an opposite attitude of the opposite function, opposite type of function. So for an ESFP, for example, you've got extroverted sensing, introverted feeling, and then you've got extroverted thinking, which is going to be the opposite of the um, the, the opposite uh, decision-making style, and then introverted intuition. So we're going to talk about those again in other episodes, tertiary functions and um, inferior functions. But the idea here is that yes, you can feel like you're more than one type, but that's because you are naturally kind of code switching based on the situation. Um, but it's going to mean that your dominant style is still always going to be your dominant style, your dominant, dominant preference for being. And a lot of people experience difficulties. They experience depression, they experience anxiety and all sorts of difficulties in life because they are often having to adjust to the life around them that kind of counteracts their natural style of being. So that's why I think that there's a ton of power in learning your subconscious preferences. You're learning your Myers-Briggs type so that you can kind of use that as a tuning fork and make sure like, am I going in the right direction? Does everything still feel right for me? Uh, does this feel natural? Am I changing myself too much? Because we do have to adapt to survive. We can't expect our environments always change to uh, change, um, change for us. But um, it's important to note uh, more specifically that um, that that using this information is what will allow us to continue to move forward and be and feel a sense of alignment and feel a sense of individuality and identity and and feel like our most natural selves and feel good. Because while I know you get, we get a lot of preaching about not being in our comfortable comfort zone and that's great. Um, but we need to kind of have that contrast. We got to know what that comfort zone is in order to get out of it. Right. So knowing what your dominant style is, is going to help you learn, um, knowing your dominant style and knowing your secondary style is going to know when you're feeling too comfortable in your comfort zone, you're going to know where to go. You're going to go to go most likely into your secondary function so that you can kind of develop and grow as a person and kind of go from there. So when somebody talks about or asks if they can be more than one type, the answer is unanimously no, but there is a much more complicated answer in that Myers-Briggs covers that is that we're 
we're shifting between types. We're shifting between, um, not between types, but between functions and how each function going in order, tertiary, uh, dominant, secondary, tertiary, and inferior has a very natural preference within our lives to want to exist. So our dominant style is going to want to naturally exist most of the time. And then our secondary style is going to want the, some attention as well. Those preferences are going to manifest naturally and they're going to come knocking on the door if you're not cycling between those functions in a healthy way. So that's what we're going to talk about in future episodes is how we can kind of cycle between the different functions and, um, and all of that stuff. So there's there's a lot of that going on. Um, I'm hoping you followed along here, but if you're someone that is just recently taking the test in college or at work and you're kind of confused about, can I be more than one type? Like, what does this mean? Um, you know, I, I'm really confused. And a lot of people end up giving up on it because of that. But really, um, a lot of people who go into uh, uh, businesses and try to have people take tests, they are not telling the people that are taking the tests like why and what it really means and um, helping people to understand it, their type in relation to other types. Because really we are all the same eight functions, but in different orders with different preferences and different focuses and um, different biases and different things in life that are stacking on top of it to create all sorts of complications within the human experience. So it's it's a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's a lot to think about. It's a lot to take on. But um, hopefully a lot of that made sense for you. But the, the unanimous answer is, can I be more than one type is no. Um, and if you're still confused by that, you can certainly leave me a voice message here on Anchor, anchor.fm slash super MBTI. You can join us on Facebook if you look it up at Super MB, uh, Super Myers Briggs Turbo EX on Facebook. I don't have a short URL for that just yet. Um, but be sure to subscribe to the show if you like what you heard and um, leave us a review that will help us kind of go up in the rankings a little bit. And um, if you have any specific questions, again, I'm not really going together, you know, going forward with this in like a linear fashion, meaning that like episode one doesn't lean into episode two, three, four, et cetera. But I'm hoping to instill some sense of linearity to this as I go along. If you're confused, if you have a question about anything, please hit me up. Please let me know. I will happily answer it on the next episode. And um, let me know if you prefer some sort of linearness to this. And, uh, that, and that'll keep you on board, especially the sensor types that are listening. You might have a little bit more of a hard time following along if I'm just kind of jumping around. So just look, just let me know what you, how you feel about that. And, um, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Take care of yourselves and each other. You can check out my stuff at cnote.media. Feel free to subscribe to the show. Like I said, and I'll catch you next time on super Myers Briggs turbo EX. Hey, thanks for listening to super Myers Briggs turbo EX. We're going to help you with Myers-Briggs and all that fun stuff. And uh, if you want to jump straight into the advanced course, go to supermbti.training. If you want to check out my other shows, go to dopamine.life for mental, my mental health podcast. And you can go to cnote.show to check out the media podcast. So if you love this show, go to anchor.fm slash supermbti and leave some love, leave a review, share it with your friends, all that good stuff. And uh, most of all, thank you. Thank you for listening to Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX. Okay.